Says actual recording is higher quality, so don't worry about what it looks like. Nice, because now now you're, you're I can barely see you. Yeah, just straight blur. Did I get blur. pixelated again? Like, like four twenty resolution. What? Here's a bank camera video. I, I it says actual quality would be higher, so we'll see. You're coming back to life here. Are we looking better? <laughs> no. Uh, let's just. Let's I might see. look better the way you look, but. Ah. Oh. All right. That's good. All right, so we're live. <laughs> I forget how there's there's a guy on uh, on TikTok. I the you know the weather guy. Frankie. No. Yeah. McDonald. Is that is that his name? The dude from Nova Scotia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't he say, like, we're live here? I don't know if we're talking about the same guy. It might be a different guy. This guy's great. Just yells the entire time. <laughs> Nova Scotia, New Jersey, yeah. you're going to get You're going to get whacked. Yeah. No, that's what it reminded me of for some reason. But, all right, so uh, episode one of the Job That Built Me podcast, uh, where we tell stories uh, from firefighters all over on how this job has uh, built, uh, molded, and influenced them into who they are today. Uh, so this episode, we're just going to do some intros. Uh, I'm here with uh, my co-hosts, uh, Rich Gabriel, who's sitting right next to me, and Noah Ayers, who's coming in from Memphis uh, remotely. Uh, so uh, we'll just we'll keep this episode short, and we'll just go through some intros uh, from us and then the next episode we'll bring in a guest and and we'll get right into it and, and get in more depth uh, so uh, we'll, we'll let Rich start off uh, telling his story and, and where he is now hey, going right into the fire here that's it not, no pun intended <laughs> not nearly as much as Noah is at this point but so Rich that sounds, Gabriel that sounds better if, this you're, sounds clear. Clear. if you're closer yeah yeah Right, right, right there. Per perfect. All right. So we have a lot of technical difficulties here. Episode one, <laughs> part two. We're doing it. Um, take two, take 17. Yeah, this is, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, we've done a rough draft of this before. And uh, like a month and a half ago, it's been a learning experience for <laughs> sure. a big process. Electronics exactly don't go so well. Electronics and firemen don't go so well. Yeah. Fireman proofing, I think. I could do social media, but this producing is is not easy. So, <laughs> all right, where do we start? Me. Yeah. So where where uh, where did you start in the fire service? What, how how long ago? And and uh, go through your story a little bit. All right. So started out as a volunteer in a small 
two engine house in a one square mile town running 200 calls per year with a nice little service contract with the city next door where we got a couple fires. Um, got into it because of my family, to put it that way. My grandfather was a past chief. My uncle was a past chief. My cousin was in the firehouse. I lived five houses away. The entire town, typical small town USA, everyone did what they could to help out their neighbor. The guy across the street was an ex-chief and fireman. The guy next to me was an ex-chief and fireman. So the small town kind of revolved around the firehouse. <clears throat> and they were good men, like at the straight essence of who they were. Just some of the best guys you can meet. They cared about their families. They were good dads, good husbands. Always giving back, doing what they could. They were involved in the church, the rotary club, you name it. And just as a young kid, they were good role models. It's something to look up to and people you want to emulate. And it didn't hurt that you're going to fires either. I mean, what more could you get that it's exciting? You get to go do something, live life on the edge, and you get to hang out with some like minded people and get brought up the right way. So I started out in a volunteer company. Uh, I mean, I was in the firehouse since I was five years old, joined when I was 14 as an explorer, did that till I got out of college. If I get out of college, I meant drop out, but <laughs> did that for a bit and then decided what, uh, every right. Jersey. I spent a lot of money on a piece of paper Oh yeah, dude. and, uh, <laughs> it still hurts actually thinking about it to this day. Yeah. You don't value money until you're yeah. an adult. It all makes sense kind of now, <laughs> but I got out of college and I did what every aspiring fireman in New Jersey wants to do at that time. And I went and, I became a cop for a little bit and decided that uh, about five years into that, if I had uh, one shot to go be a career fireman, a good friend of mine and mentor was like, hey, this is a small city, but they're growing. It's a good department. There's going to be a lot of opportunities going forward. See if you can get on the job there. And for Jamie knows, civil service purposes in New Jersey, <clears throat> you got to live in the city. And it's like, you can't put all, a lot of eggs in different baskets. you got to go in all in at one. So I moved to the city of Asbury Park. I uh, tested relatively well. And typical government, it takes time. I think it was like four years from the time that we took the test till the results came back. And in a matter of like a week or two, it was bang, you're on. So I got hired in the city of Asbury Park, which is a small, small New Jersey department, depending on where you look. Uh, in our county, it's the biggest, but I think we're 52 or 53 guys right now. Four shifts on 2472s. That's all, all career, correct? Yeah, all career. Yeah. Um, we run an engine, a truck, and then off the engine and truck, we staff two BLS ambulances, potentially three, depending on what our staffing is for the day. Mm -hmm. yeah, we're just wrapping up the year, right? So I think we ran just under 8,000 calls total. So relatively busy. I mean, a lot of it is med runs, but we do act as a part of the county technical rescue team. If you want to call it that, there's a couple different teams around, but we all kind of factor and function together as best we can. And, uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. You get to see all the sides of it from a small department. There's no assignments for truck or engine for the men. You're swapping back and forth. Everyone rides the ambulance unless you're a captain or a chauffeur. Keep you on your toes. You're going to gunshots. 
you're going to fires, you're going to tech calls, and then you're also getting frequent flyers that make you laugh like you wouldn't believe on a daily basis. And outside of that, uh, I also volunteer in a town called Tom's River, which is like one of the top 10 largest municipalities in the state of New Jersey. 60 square miles, about 100,000 people in it, and we have the largest municipal fire training academy in the state, which I'm very happy to say that they let me join along for the ride and help out with the recruit class from time to time. So that's where I'm at. Cool. Uh, so Noah, you're on the other spectrum, other side of the spectrum of, uh, of Rich's department. Uh, tell us about Memphis. Yeah. So, uh, actually tell, tell us where you started first. Cause I know you didn't start in Memphis. Okay. Yeah. So I started, uh, similar to Rich. I was 15. Uh, I got involved in the volunteer firehouse in the County I grew up in. Um, I guess I should say my dad's been a fireman my whole life. So was in the firehouse in and out as a child, you know, always wanting to do it. And it's, uh, and it's something that I pretty much put all my eggs in one basket for, um, Got started at the volunteer department. It's a it was a smaller volunteer department. We had three stations, uh, but it was super busy. We did for the volunteer department. We did about a thousand runs a year. Um, started there when I was fifteen. Uh, got a lot of experience. Got to do the whole junior member thing. Um, and then when I turned eighteen, I moved in to the firehouse. So I became a live in there, and I lived there for three years. So got to go to a lot of fires and, and do a lot of things and enjoy the whole live-in life of the only reason I was working a part-time job was just so I could just feed myself. But other than that, I was at the firehouse every day. Um, got hired on at the county fire department that my volunteer department was in at 18. So I was working full-time for the county that I volunteered in. And then on my days off, I was volunteering in that county. Uh, worked full-time for the county for three years. Um, it was a bigger fire department. So at the time we had three career stations. Uh, we covered 560 something square miles, did about 12,000 runs a year, made a lot of fires, a lot of cut jobs, a lot of med runs. Um, so I got to do that. Um, got through my, some technical rescue classes and stuff while I was there. And then after working there for about three years, I really wanted to be a big city, big city fireman. Uh, so I started applying to a whole bunch of different places and Memphis, uh, the lateral thing popped up on Facebook for me one day and I clicked on it and read the stuff. And I was like, Hey, I meet all these requirements, throw an application in, threw an application in and went from there, got hired on, um, we did a little eight week, uh, lateral, you know, trainee, program. So a little abbreviated Academy, just kind of learning the Memphis way. And I was fortunate enough to get picked up out of the Academy by a, a hot engine company, um, in the special operations, uh, battalion. So, uh, that was, that was awesome. Got went out of there to that engine company pretty much right out of the gate and, uh, worked there for, uh, I was assigned to engine 25 for two and a half years. And then that's when I got asked to cross the floor because um, we were in-house with Rescue One, and I got asked to go across the floor to the rescue. So Memphis has uh, 57 firehouses, a 
lot of opportunity, um, a lot of room for growth and advancement. And uh, I'm sure everyone has heard of the crime in Memphis. So um, we get to go to a lot of shootings and stabbings. And, and fortunately, we get to go to a lot of fires. I think last year, 2023, we did over 500 working fires. Um, and you get a rescue on every fire and we only have three. So I've been assigned to the rescue now for over a year. Um, and loving it, get to go to fires every day and, and get to, uh, do what I've always wanted to do. So it's been good, but it's pretty much it. Nothing exciting. Yeah. We get the text all the time, a picture of a header. That's it. It just sends a picture of a header and then that's it. Slow down. <laughs> oh. Oh. We're like, thanks. Thanks a lot. I just want you guys to know what's going on. Oh, uh, we know I, what's going on. I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm gonna have this. Do you guys have the citizen app down there? We used to actually. We had the citizen app when I first got down here, and it was awesome. And then they they stopped covering uh, Memphis, I guess. Oh man, uh, so I have to get it somehow. And just yeah. there's my friend. Yeah. There he is. He's doing. It. <laughs> no, it was awesome when we had it. They're doing it. <laughs> but okay, I will say, so. um, downfall of of you know working in this big city is got to ride the inwards too. So I know how you feel, Rich. Um, but it's, it's only 12 I hours. Mean, if we didn't have the ambulance, I would probably get bored from time to time. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. We're, we're probably pulling in. Granted, I work in a square mile city, give or take. We do some mutual aid. But we're running about 2,000 fire calls a year, which I guess is busy. Oh, yeah. Ish. But yeah. smells and bells, you're back in the house in five, ten minutes, right? Right. But the ambulance call, you can catch your blood up. You actually, you have moments of impact where you get some wins, which are pretty neat. Like, you get to go hands-on. We just had one, what, two weeks ago. A, a gentleman made an exit from the fourth floor of a building to the ground. And he was pulseless, apneic. My man was not with us at that point. We did hands-on CPR. We got halfway down the block. No shocks. He was back. Like, yeah. breathing on his own, and it was like, that's a moment of impact that I otherwise wouldn't have had. And you change somebody's life. Right. So like it, it keeps us busy. Like granted it, sometimes it's frustrating because you get those 12 to 17 after midnight and it's, there's no sleep. You're going home mad because you're just a grumpy person. <laughs> you're stuffing cake in your face at 4 a.m. in the kitchen. <laughs> because it's, it's either sleep or eat. I get some sugar in there. Might, might as well eat. <laughs> Oh, dude, we're the worst for it, too. We load up on sweets. Whatever's in the fridge. Yeah. So, but the ambulance, it is what it is. It's a necessary evil in, in my department. And I don't even call it an evil, right? Like, you're still, we're making a difference at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, somebody's got to do it. 100%. And yeah. not for nothing, you couldn't pay anyone but firemen to do it because the the load it puts on you as it's just an EMT, there's got to be some other benefit to it than just monetary value. Mm -hmm. So we do, I, I, we do I, it relatively well. I can agree with you on the, uh, on the fun part of it. You know, it gets you out of the house and at least yeah. here you get to see, we get to see the whole city here, you know, no ambulance really has a designated area. So it's definitely yeah. a blast. And I mean, you just got to make the best of it. So. No doubt. hundred percent. Like if you wrote a book about it, Nobody would oh, believe you. Nobody would yeah. believe you. And it, this is a podcast for all firemen, but we can't go into detail some of these calls because you just can't. <laughs> no. 
the general public has no idea what is happening with our our regulars and like how funny they are and the stuff they say. You just you can't put that out. Thanks, HIPAA and everything else, but it's funny. I've never mm. laughed so hard that I have in the back of an ambulance with some of the stuff that goes on. Yeah, I know. It's a blast. So, it is necessary evil for sure. I'd be sitting around thinking of other things to get in trouble or do yeah. the firehouse if we didn't have the ambulance. <laughs> so yeah, the the man himself, the the, the guy founder, blue collar yeah. fireman. Yeah, well, who was my hero previously thought. faceless? Who <laughs> yeah now is? I mean, it it didn't it didn't start as a uh, page about me. Um, still isn't about me. I say uh, it's definitely not it's, about you. It's not about me. I I could be perfectly fine being faceless, but to expand a little bit, I figured I'd put myself out there. I'm not a very outgoing person, but uh, definitely this this is something out of my comfort zone. Um, but I think it's uh, I think it's something good. It can aid in this what now turned into a company. Aid this company in trying to make some sort of difference in the fire service uh, for the positive. Even if it's something small, um, it's better than nothing, better than sitting back and not doing anything. Um, but uh, my story is very similar to Rich's. Um, we grew up relatively in the same area, I guess, since we're in the same count or same state, different county, um, but we're, we're fairly close. He grew up, uh, it's probably about 40 minutes south of where I grew up. Um, I grew up in a small town, Monmouth County, New Jersey. Um, just like Rich, right around the corner from the firehouse. I'm a third generation fireman. Um, my grandfather, um, until his passing, was the oldest active member in the volunteer company that I started in. Um, uh, my father um, still is an active member of the volunteer department that I started in. Uh, it's West Long Branch, New Jersey. Um, it's a couple square mile town. Um, few thousand people, um, two house department. Um, the, uh, the department, uh, back then was very, very active. Um, we had a great group of guys at the firehouse. I started there when I started hanging around there when I was probably 10, 11 years old. Um, my father would always bring me down. If there was a call, I'd, I'd race down the street and try to try to see the fire trucks. Um, but, uh, we had a great group of guys there. Uh, I started as a, uh, an explorer, uh, when I turned, I think 14 or 15, um, the, uh, the department, like I said, had a great group of guys. We there was always guys hanging out there. Um, we, uh, when I turned 18, I went to the fire Academy and, uh, the, uh, the, the Academy back then, uh, it's, uh, Changed a little bit since, um, but uh, it it was a decent academy. It's uh, a little bit better now, um, but uh, it was a volunteer, mostly volunteers in the academy. Actually, we our class had all volunteers in the academy. Um, but I went to the academy with my best friend, who I grew up with. We started to uh, we became friends back in kindergarten. Uh, Danny Malachi, uh, Danny uh, passed a couple years ago of ALS uh, at thirty years old. Um, but we, uh, we grew up together. He was my best friend. We, we went to the academy together. Um, we uh, were always hanging out at the firehouse. 
um, spent a lot of time there. Um, events, the call volume wasn't wasn't too too heavy at the, uh, at the time. Um, I thought it was a lot, but it really is not uh, compared to where I work now. Um, we uh, we averaged right, right around 350 calls a year. Uh, there's a, a university in in town where they kept us busy during the school year. Um, we'd at least get a, a run or two a day um, on average, uh, but it, it was fun. We we had a good time. Did a lot of training. Um, uh, had a lot of laughs together. Uh, but uh, eventually, you start to realize if you really want to be a fireman, you got to go to the neighboring city, which is the city of Long Branch, where uh, the call volume is is quadruple of what what West Long Branch was. So uh, a lot of the members of West Long Branch, they were members of Long Branch um, to get the experience, to go to fires. Um, but uh, I eventually uh, joined Long Branch. Um, it was only a year. I think I, I joined within the same year as I joined West Long Branch, but it was later on in the year. Um, but I joined over there. I got a lot of experience there as a volunteer. Uh, it's a combination department. So the, uh, they're right now, back then it was, they had multiple houses where there was one firefighter, uh, one career firefighter in each firehouse and they acted as, as the chauffeur. Um, but, uh, since then it has changed all the career firefighters are in one house. Um, it's a, uh, a, a good department to six square mile city. Um, the, uh, the city is currently expanding greatly. Uh, just like richest city that's uh, growing uh, there's buildings going up on every other block um, and uh, it's uh, it's a great place uh, that's where so that's where I currently work um, I got picked up there in 2015 um, but uh, I, I volunteered there up until I got hired um, but like rich said the the civil service system in New Jersey um, it's it's definitely uh, different. It's, uh, it, it takes a while. Uh, you really do have to commit. Um, so I, I moved into the city. Um, I took the test in 2010. So it took five years. I got very lucky that our list got extended. Um, usually the, the testing process is every two to three years. Um, but our list got extended. Um, I got very lucky, took five years, but I finally got hired 2015. Um, so I've been there for, I'm in my ninth year now. Um, I've been there for, for nine years and, uh, it's, it's great. Love the guys that I work with. Um, we go to a lot of calls. I think, uh, this year, uh, we did just over 1600 runs, all fire runs. We don't have an, uh, an ambulance. Um, unlike, uh, Rich and Noah do, uh, I don't, I don't know what an ambulance is, but, uh, the, uh, it's a it's a one career house in the city. The rest are all volunteers still, um, but we have uh, six personnel on each shift. Uh, we ride an engine and a Quint. Um, I know Quint concept is uh, it's a touchy touchy topic. We're we're not going to get into it now. Uh, I don't want to upset somebody else that that we know. Carl, <laughs> uh, love you, buddy. But uh, yeah, we we ride a a Quint and an engine, three on each. Um, but we only have one officer on each shift. So the, the officer rides the Quint. That's, uh, that's the, our first, first in apparatus. So we're, we're stretching off the Quint. Um, the engine company, 
with the three members on the engine company, they establish a water supply on every working fire. Um, cause we don't know, um, we don't know who's coming. It's, it's very tough to say, oh, we'll, we'll let the water supply be handled by the volunteers or a mutual aid company. Um, it's, uh, you don't know how long you're going to be there. So our engine company establishes a water supply. Um, the, the quint will stretch and then the members of the engine company will, will bump up onto the, onto the handline or, or do other, uh, tasks that need to be accomplished. Um, but, uh, so yeah, well, I'm going to keep it short. I won't, uh, our, our first take of this episode was, was almost two hours. Um, and we called it short and, our, and our cameras ran out of battery and it, yeah, so. We'll keep this one short. I'll 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 go into more, more depth of of the uh, the operations in in the city of Long Branch. But yeah, it's a, a great city to work for. Love everybody that I work with, and uh, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll we'll keep it at that. Uh, I just want to interrupt real quick uh, with a quick word from our sponsor for this podcast. This podcast is sponsored by RCD Group Solutions. At RCD Group Solutions, our team is made up of experienced public servants who have experience in various forms of government and emergency services. Our experts work collaboratively with organizational leaders to identify goals and conduct needs assessments that best fits the needs of the organization. Experts identify strengths and areas in need of development and builds a plan custom fit to the organization. The development of long-term goals and objectives is necessary for all budget processes that have become a very competitive process. Check out RCD Group Solutions at rcdgroupsolutions.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram at RCD Group Solutions. Uh, but uh, I just want to uh, touch on one thing before we, we close out this first episode. Um, so I just want to ask both Rich and Noah, what are your influences uh, in the fire service? Like who who influences you or what influences you um, and and to, to make something better uh, or to keep going? What what are your influences? That's a good Rich. one. Oh, see. Can I ask a hard question? I get volunteered for all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So influences in the fire service. I think you have to look over it like a course of a, a career or if you when you get involved, whether you're a volunteer or you're a, a career paid guy, it, it's a career. Like it, this is a job, whether it's volunteer or it's not. So from the time you start to the time you end, right. And I was lucky to start at 14, but I had the firehouse influence from when I was literally a little kid. I used to run to the corner and watch him drive out and bug everybody at the firehouse. Like I'm sure both of you did. Like I, obviously I know that, but from a little kid, they were the, in a volunteer house, in a blue collar community, right? They're the hardest working guys I know. They're breaking their ass for their family to provide for them. And then when they're not doing that, they're down at the firehouse, washing the rigs, raising money, doing whatever they could do to support the operations of the firehouse. And then they're answering calls. So I, I thought that was extremely admirable at that point. And like, we had Hurricane Sandy hit. Superstorm Sandy in 2012, those guys weren't home for days on end. And I just, I was in the middle of college. I came back to help out how I could. And those guys just they left their family. They made sure they were taken care of. 
but they did everything they could for their community and their neighbors. And that was to me, super admirable. Something I, I hoped if I could be half the men that they were, I'd be doing pretty good. So that kind of took on its own little, it carved something out, right? And it, it, it sat with me that that's the kind of man I would hope to be and I would strive to be. And I took their example and I just picked up what I could from them. And there are guys, that, a, a guy I met then, the first time I met him, his name's Jimmy Gillespie. He's a deputy chief in Atlantic City, but he's also a volunteer fireman in this small town that I grew up in. He had just joined the company and they said the water was up. There was people trapped in their houses and be prepared to pull bodies out of houses and attics and stuff like it was a pretty crazy, uncertain time, especially as a 20, 21 year old kid. You're like, oh, you're all in it for the excitement at that point. You're like, oh, this is great. And then when it turns into actual life safety, it's a little, it's a humbling experience. And my man, Jimmy comes in first time we ever met and we're talking about like, oh, we got to go get people or hopefully it goes, all right, let's put the suits on and go get them. And from that point on, he was so focused on doing the right thing for everyone in that small time frame. Like, man, I want to learn from this guy. And in the time frame since, that was 2012, it's now 2024, 12 years, Jimmy's a gigantic, gigantic mentor for me. He took me to my first fire conference. He's like, come on, kid, stick with me. We're going to go see what this is all about. And you go from talking about it to now I'm having a beer with him, Ray McCormick, John Salka sitting there, Kurt Isaacson, Mike Turpak, and Frank Viscuso on a rooftop in Pensacola. All Jersey guys for the most part, with the exception of Ray Mack and Salka. I do, I guess. But now you're sitting with some of the, the most notable guys in the fire service. And as a 22-year-old kid, you're picking their brains. And how can I be the best I can be going forward? And now you're getting their information. And as a fire service, it's a big world. But as you get into that big world, you find out how small it is. So that snowballed into its own thing, right? And you start seeking like-minded people and you are who you surround yourself with. And I'm lucky that the places that I belong, I have some great mentors. Uh, my career department, Bob Pascarell is a battalion chief. He's brilliant, smart, unbelievably smart. He's like, just to see the way he thinks and processes information and to make it usable for our operations. Same Chris Barkle is a great fireman too. He's one of our battalion chiefs. Uh, Reggie, Reggie was, Reggie Hammond was our senior guy up until September when he retired. The amount of information that he unloaded in a two and a half year span for me sitting at the kitchen table was incredible. And then you go from those guys to my volunteer house or the fire academy. The volunteer house that I work or I go to in Silverton, Tom's River, <clears throat> there's Richie Gorman, who's a battalion chief in Jersey City. He's got like 40 years on the job. He, you're going to have to drag him off the job. They're going to have to force him out because he loves the job that much. And I got Sean Keating's uh, the chief of the department. He's a retired police lieutenant, been to a hell of a lot of fires in Patterson and Passaic and Garfield, New Jersey. Who else is there? I mean, it's, there's so many guys that have taken their cup figuratively and poured it into mine to make me a better person. Better person, like straight out. And then a better fireman on top of it. 
and they encourage you the whole time. Hey, keep going, go get more information. It, it's there's plenty of negative stuff in the fire service, <clears throat> but a good senior man and good mentors, you just can't beat it. Mm-hmm. You can't beat a guy that you look up to, who you, or who you respect, saying, "Hey, you're on the right track." I would do this if I were you. If I could do it over again, this is what I would do. Or, hey, kid, bump the brakes a little bit. Like, don't go so hard on this one. Maybe, maybe you're going to piss some people off if you're presenting it poorly. You're not winning any arguments by telling people they're stupid. Like, it just doesn't work. But a senior man's wisdom is where, like, it, it just helps the junior guys so, so much more. And... I'm very lucky to be in the position I'm in. And then on the greater scale, you get involved in the fire service where you start having friends across the country. Mm-hmm. Now you're picking the brains of, you know, picking Noah's brains or you start getting talking to guys in the circuit. Like I was just talking to Jeff the other day because there was a job and we made a, a removal of a victim. He didn't live, but Jeff's pretty up on it with search. And I'm like, Jeff, what do you think? And we went through everything and Jeff asked me the hard hitting questions to, to actually make me better. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, oh, dude, you did your best. You did your best. No, like, what would you have done different? Do you think you're training prepared for this? And he went down. I'm like, dude, you're hitting me with the hard ones. But I appreciate it because it's, I now have to look at myself under the magnifying glass. So mm-hmm. like the motivation is doing the right thing for the public and for the guy that you're going to jobs with, your guy or girl, and for your family, because like you got to come home at the end of the day. Like I can't just go to work and say, "Oh, I, I did my my best. I did enough." Not and knowing I didn't, because it's it's a slight to my family. It's a slight to the guys I work with. It's a slight to their family. It's a slight to the public. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's what matters: is doing the right thing, even when it's not considered the right thing by some people, right? Like the boundary lines of, oh, my truck can go there, but I can't go here. Or, you know, someone's in trouble there, but just do the right thing for the public. Mm-hmm. But the, the motivation is honoring like the, the investment that people have put into me and then passing it forward and doing what's right for the public. Because at the end of the day, like that's all you got. Like, why are we here other than to save and protect lives and property? to believe it better than we found it and to move the ball forward. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's like a couple good couple minutes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm <clears throat> I'll, I'll save Noah for last and I'll, I'll just go through. I, I have one huge influence uh, in the fire service for, for me. Um, many, I have many, many influences, but the biggest one is, is my father. Um, I see the dedication that he has uh, put into something outside of his family. Um, so actually his second family, if you think about it that way, but he, the, the amount of time and years that he has put in, it, it really um, shows me that it's something that's not for everybody, but it's in your blood and it's in your DNA. And I believe it's in my DNA. Um, I don't know if it's because I've been around the fire service for so long. Um, 
even back when I was a young kid, um, 20, over 20 years now. Um, but, uh, I just see, see that dedication that he has put in and he's continuing it to this day. Um, he's still active and he's well over 40 years in the fire service. Um, I want to say, yeah, yeah, he's probably over 40 or 45 years in the fire service. Um, he was chief of department. My grandfather was chief of department. Um, just seeing my family put that dedication in really drives me um, to to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, that's that's my biggest influence. Um, but there's many many other people in the in the fire service that that are mentors of mine. Um, they influence me still. Um, but uh, the huge one is is my family. And not only not only my father, my mother is not in the fire service, but she was in public safety for 35 years. Uh, she was a dispatcher. Um, but just seeing the lifelong dedication of my family members really influences me to to keep it going. Um, but uh, that that's pretty much it for for influences on my end, aside from fire service instructors and, and other senior men in, in, in my firehouse and um, but, uh, yeah, so Noah, who, who influences you? Yeah, I, I got a lot of influences. Um, I guess to say that my dad was a big part. Um, my dad never pushed the fire service on me. He never, you know, was trying to get me to be a fireman or anything like that. It was just, it was just something that I fell in love with on my own, you know? So I, I'm very appreciative of him for that to kind of allow me to find my love for the job. Um, but without him, I wouldn't have known anything about it. So at the end of the day, my dad is, is a huge influence for that um, and for getting me started. And then when I got started in my volunteer house, you know, I had I had a whole bunch of guys that took me under their wing and taught me the right and the wrong and uh, and and made me a good fireman or, or not a good fireman, but made me uh, realize what good firemen were at a young age. Um, I, I don't think I'm a good fireman by, by any means, but those dudes definitely um, pushed me in the right direction. You know, it's, it's Neil Bailey and, and James Plouffe and, and guys like that were, were a big asset to me. Um, and then same with the when I got hired on full time at the county. Um, I had a lot of guys that were that were pushing me to be better. And, and um, I'm very fortunate for that. But right now, uh, my biggest influences are, are from when I came to Memphis. There's, there's two people that. I, uh, I have learned so much from, and I'm able to go in and, and, you know, look at them every day and talk to them every day. And just, it's, it's amazing. And that's my first lieutenant on the job was, was Jeremy Herbert. And that dude is a fireman's fireman. He's a fireman's lieutenant. He is a, he's a great officer and, and a great guy. And, uh, he's definitely given me a lot that he doesn't know about. And if I told him, he'd call me an idiot that I was talking about him like that. But, um, that dude is amazing, you know, and uh, I can call that, you know, I just got off the phone with him about the fire we made yesterday just to talk to him and, and you know, kind of get his idea and his perspective on things. I don't, he's not in the same house as me he transferred out because he's an ass, but um, <laughs> I can still, I can still call him up, you know, and I get to make a lot of fires with him still, but um, he was a big influence for me coming into a department like this. Um, and then my current Lieutenant is, I mean, salt of the earth. He's, got 31 years on the job and he's not retiring for four more years and rescue one lieutenant in the city of Memphis. I mean, that dude, 
is just a wealth of knowledge and he comes into work every day with a positive attitude um, and, and for everything he's had to put up with throughout his career um, and deal with and just to come in every day and hit, have that refreshing positive attitude of someone that's so just experienced and uh, has such a wealth of knowledge. It's, it's great. And that's, that's what motivates me is to come in every day and, and see that. And I'm like, all right, you know, I gotta, I gotta live up to that right there. Cause that's, that's, that's what motivates me is just trying to be like that guy, you know? Um, and then just a couple things that, you know, I've heard in throughout my career is just, you know, there's a lot of firemen before us that molded the way, you know? Um, so we can't let that go. Uh, we can't, we can't put a disgrace to that. That that's a big thing for me is, is not, it's, you know, it's corny, but not a lot of people will hand you the, the, child that's not breathing you know without anything you know and, and they'll do that for us and and that's mm -hmm. stuff like that is is what definitely has i i've wanted to upkeep that oath that we've all taken and, and try to be the best i can be and then another thing that i was told um after a fatality fire that i, I made years back was um we're not god and we can't dictate who lives or dies but it's uh but it's our job to give them to arrange the meeting you know so that was that was something like that what I, that kind of resonated with me um and really stuck with me and, and I'm going to arrange that meeting every time you know I'm going to do the mm -hmm. best I can to make that happen. Um so those are just a few you know a few people and a few things that I've heard and, and been told over time that really motivate me and and really keep my drive and my passion going and and keep me wanting to be better every day. That that's huge. I I think like if we can protect that for all the junior or the young guys coming on or the, like I said, man, there's so much that you can get bothered by and like angry about with the fire service. But at the end of the day, like this is the best job in the world. It's, yeah. Whether you're a career guy or a volunteer and we're all volunteers at one point, some of us still are career guys, but like it has nothing to do with the title. It's the best job. Like yeah. I get this. I loved it so much that I wanted to make it a career. Hundred <laughs> percent. Right. Like my fiance. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. It's not the fact that I don't stones. want to volunteer. It's the fact that I loved it so much yeah. that I wanted to make a career out of it and do it for the rest of my life and not have to worry about working another job. Pretty yeah. much. Is my fiance breaks. Even though we st we all still have other jobs, but still. All my jobs are fire service stuff. Yeah. Well, your job yeah, is fire my, service. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> our still, hobbies. Our hobbies are fire service. Yeah. yeah. I don't know sports. What's sports? Yeah. It, it just, it's, it's fire service or nothing. It doesn't yeah. turn off. It, ever. I can be on the phone with my buddy, and I've heard her, his wife in the background. Does he talk about anything else <laughs> no. at all? And I'm like, no. Well, really my, like, my wife is sick of it, but I just keep it going. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But it's got to be protected. Just like yeah. the guys who get just a little discouraged, you got to bring them back. Because like at the end of the day, like we do make a difference. And like that gets lost. It's like, oh, you know, that was already gone. They were already dead, but et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's no, dude. Like you, you make a difference. Like absolutely at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And whether it's, it's not, and people say it's not our emergencies. They are and they aren't. Like you got to make it personal to the point where you don't take it personally, but you make it personal. Like you look at everyone as if they're one of your family members or it's like mm -hmm. extended family. Like, what would you want for them? Because their emergencies, we go to them every day. Like we go to the dead kids or 
CPOs in progress or fires of entrapment, bad pins. We see that and like we're professionals. You're good at maintaining that level of professionalism where you don't lose your cool. You do your job to affect the best outcome. Mm-hmm. But these people, this is the worst day of their life. Like period, whether it's the burnt Thanksgiving Turkey or there's somebody trapped. Like it, it's one of the worst days. Calling 911 for someone is the worst day of their life. Mm-hmm. And you are the steward that is there to make that difference for them. There's nobody else. We're their last, their last person. They're, they're, they're trusting you. It, and it's, it. a, it's an absolute privilege. And it's one of the, the most incredible feelings in the world to be able to be that solution. So respect it and honor it. And it, it's an awesome thing. It's a, I mean, what the fire service has given me, I, I can't even give back 10% of it. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. But I'm going to try like hell. All we, we could do is try. Yeah. And that's why that, that's my motivation for, for blue collar firemen. It's just to use this platform that has been built and try to keep making positive impact. There's a lot, a lot of negative yeah. and we can only try to push them, push them out by adding more positive to it. It's that that's pretty much the only way there's always going to be negativity. Um, but the, a lot of the online negativity, uh, you just got to ignore it. Ig- ignore the, the online negativity. They're, they're, they're asking for engagement, ignore it and keep being positive and it'll, it'll really benefit the fire service. Um, but we'll, uh, we're going to, we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, episode 1.2.5.6. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited. This one actually, uh, it's a process success. Yeah. How many times my phone yeah. has gone off? It's like, yo, like, when's the podcast? I'm like, oh, you know, we're trying, we're trying. Oh, dude. Yeah. It's plus, every plus day. I had COVID. I had COVID yeah. two months in a row. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this has been, this is a, a success here. Just, just getting this, this recorded here. So I'm very happy that, that we were able to, to record this. Um, so we're, we're going to, We'll get somebody on here next time um, and we'll, we'll go in depth into their story and, and we'll keep pushing these episodes out as much as possible. Um, but uh, thanks guys for, for getting this done today and we'll, uh, we'll have some fun in the next one. Yeah, thank All you. Right.